Welcome back to the Brian DeVore Connection. I'm your host, Brian DeVore. Well, unfortunately, there are lots of mistakes that people make when it comes to estate planning. So here to talk about some of the bigger mistakes and how to avoid them is my friend, Brenda Geiger, the law office of Brenda Geiger. How are you doing today, Brenda? Good. How are you doing today? My pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. Um, we've done this before. Um, it's been a few years uh, mm-hmm. when you came. The set was a little different, um, but you've written a couple books since then. Here's one of the books right here, which we mm-hmm. wanted to have on screen. Um, but a lot of people are making mistakes when it comes to estate planning. A lot of laws have changed. It's become more complicated. So I wanted you to come talk about some of the mistakes that people make. But first, tell us about you, how you got into estate planning to begin with. Um, well, I went to the University of San Diego School of Law, and when I graduated, um, the firm I was working at was a biotech company, and they were having their third round of layoffs, so I was a newly minted lawyer with no job. So I went and worked for a couple of years with a few other attorneys, and one of them happened to do estate planning, so that's kind of how I got a foray into it. And then um, it was really tough with a baby going back and forth down to San Diego from North County. And my husband just said, well, what if you started your own firm? And I, I just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what I did about uh, 15, 16 years ago. So I've had my law firm up in Carlsbad since. Got it. There's a lot of um, aspects of law that people can get into. Family law, corporate law. Um, mm-hmm. But estate planning is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good niche. Um, what attracted you to that versus the others? Um, well, I have a degree in psychology, and I, I really like helping people, so I think that aspect of it really attracted me, and the fact that I had a young family, and I really wanted to control my time better, and it is a great practice area to be able to still help people, but not be so beholden to the court calendar, doing litigation, and that kind of stuff. Right, that makes a lot of sense. So, speaking of helping people, um, you like to avoid, help people avoid some of the mistakes that people can make with estate planning. Um, yes. You've written a few, how many books have you written now? Seven. Seven books, holy cow. So on your website, which we'll give out in just a little bit, um, people can uh, look at your library of books and, and can get the books from there as well. Yes. Um, and this book here too. Um, let's talk about some of the mistakes that people make. Um, first one I wanted to talk about is planning around specific assets. So what does that mean? Um, sometimes people try to do things without doing proper estate planning. So like an example would be, um, let's say a father, um, you know, maybe he lost his wife and he has all the assets owned in his name, but he's got three children. Let's say he decides to put his daughter as the beneficiary on his savings account, put 50% ownership of his home with his son, and then his other son gets a life insurance policy as the beneficiary because at the time those assets were of equal value. But what happens later if dad sells the home and now he lives in a retirement community or he rents a a place? And then let's say he lets that life insurance policy lapse, then he passes. You know, the proceeds from the the sale of the home probably would have gone into the savings account and then that leaves his daughter as really the only beneficiary that got money when he passed. So that would be like kind of just a real life example of how somebody might be trying to have good intentions to benefit all three children equally at the time, but then things change in life, where as if he would have um, directed the life insurance to the trust, had the uh, the savings account owned in trust title and the home owned in trust title, he could have put a kid, his kids one-third each as the beneficiaries, and then they would have shared in that when he passed. Got it. So um, and I, I'm guessing a lot of people make some of these mistakes not from bad intentions, you know, no. from good intentions, but life changes. Yeah. And, and, and this actually is, you know, something that people need to think about too, I think. Um, not one of the items here is just constantly reviewing your estate plan because of the fact that 
things are always changing. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, I recommend that most of my clients see me at least every three to four years just to check back in and see if there's been any changes in the assets or in the tax laws or, you know, just their wealth in general or if there's any issues going on with their health or with their children, you know, just so we can make those adjustments. Makes sense. All right, the second one, um, talking about um, uh, probate and avoiding probate. Um, People sometimes make the mistake of putting someone on title uh, and so forth. So talk about that mistake. Yeah, so um, occasionally I'll see this happen where, um, somebody will put their child on title to their home, not realizing they've kind of opened up a hornet's nest of a whole bunch of issues. And some of those issues involve um, if you've put them on title, you've effectively made a gift and you really are required to file a 709 gift tax return with the IRS, which reduces your federal, state, and gift tax exemption, the amount you can give away at death or during your lifetime. It's like, like a combined uh, credit. So that's number one. You've created that problem. Number two, um, there's creditor issues because now that child's creditors, if they have any and they go after them, now you know they've got half your, your home because they're, they're a co-owner with you. you know that could put your home at jeopardy in jeopardy. And you know also you know there's issues with capital gains. So that half that you put your child on title to, now when you pass, that half is not going to get a step up in basis. and that's the amount of the difference between um, the date of death value and then the sales price. So if they went to go sell it at your death, they're only going to have a basis step up in half. So that could be a huge capital gains issue for tax purposes and income tax. And then the biggest is, you know, recently we had Prop 19 go through in 2021, which affects our real estate property taxes. So if you put your house on, uh, your child on title with your house and they don't live in the home with you and you don't file certain things like the parent-child exclusion and homeowner's exemption, now, you know, you could be effectively reassessing half of the real estate taxes on your home, not realizing that you've done that. So these are all, you know, big issues that you really don't want to step into. It's much better to have your home owned in a trust and leave it to your, your spouse or to your children that way. Yeah, for sure. So it seems like in some of these issues, um, you, you start off with doing something, um, wanting a certain outcome, but then it, it triggers other events. It triggers mm-hmm. other things that happen that you don't foresee or you don't plan for, yeah. maybe because you're trying to do this on your own, or you're not working with an attorney who's thinking outside the box, well, what about this, and how is it going to affect that? Yeah. It all, it's like a web, yep. and it all just sort of comes together. Um, failure to fund your living trust, and I've heard, I've heard this before, it's a very common mistake. Yeah, and um, I'll give a real-life example, because I think those often are the things people most identify with. So um, probably about two years ago in Orange County, I had a client referred to me to do trust administration, which is great. You know, I mean, you know, I'm like, okay, they they did the right thing. Come to find out the only thing that was in the trust was the home. So there were several other assets that were outside the home. And and unfortunately, in this case, mom and dad passed within a week or two of each other. So it was it was kind of tragic that way. So we didn't really have an opportunity to kind of course correct after the first death because the second death so quickly. Um, so basically we had to open up a probate for both mom and dad and it took over two years um, and it, you know it just was unnecessary. It caused all kinds of probate fees, time delays, stress to their daughter who was the executor and the trustee. Then once we got the funds we had to take those funds and move them into the trust through the pour over will and, and execute the trust. So it was just completely unnecessary. It didn't need to happen. Yeah. I mean, it even goes down to a minuscule level of your checking and savings accounts. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, everything has to be in the trust. Anything outside the trust is not protected by the trust. I yeah. think people don't even think about, you know, even they have $100 in a savings account. Technically, or that needs to be in the trust. leaving it as a beneficiary. You can, you can name your trust as the beneficiary on a bank account, too. So, right. I mean, if you really don't want to have to open a new account called a trust account, right. you can go that route, too. But at least you have to plan. You have to yeah. do something to plan. Um, so you talked about um, that in that particular case, you had one child who was administrator. There was other children involved. Um, sometimes you may have a problem, quote-unquote, problem child, okay. and that's one of the mistakes that people make. And talk about that. Yeah, so there, there are ways to protect a child, um, sometimes from themselves. So, you know, sometimes we have beneficiaries that have a drug or alcohol problem, or maybe they're just young and immature and we don't want them to, you know, get a big pile of money and then decide to throw parties or get into drugs or, you know, just blow through the money or have other people that influence them and now all their money's gone by the time they're 25. So... Um, there are ways that you can protect these types of beneficiaries um, through continuing trust. And I would argue even if you don't have a problem child, it's probably better to do it this way to protect your child from future divorces, lawsuits, creditor issues, bankruptcy that they have in their own life from, from affecting what you leave to your kids. So um, we call them general needs trusts or continuing trusts. And if you really want to put your child in control, you can do that. You can say at a specified age, they can serve as their own trustee or as a co-trustee. Um, or at one age as a co-trustee, and then they can take over fully of, you know, their trust share at a sole trustee age. So like in my trust, it says age 28, each of my kids can serve as a co-trustee. And at 35, they can be their own trustee as sole trustee. And by then, hopefully their brain's fully developed and they can make rational yeah. decisions for themselves and for their families. Yeah, but I always have it protected, though, the way it's drafted, because that only gives them the opportunity to pop in as the trustee. Mm -hmm. So um, they don't have to, but if you have an independent trustee and you have like no demand rights in the type of trust that I'm talking about, um, that's the best creditor protection you can give to any beneficiary. Got it. So in your book, you have over 20 mistakes that people can make. So it's super important to get the right legal advice, the right guidance. Um, Brenda's information is on the screen. For those of you who are watching, if you are listening on Spotify or another channel for this podcast, her information is in the description. Uh, make sure to contact her and get your affairs in order, get your estate plan done properly. Brenda, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.